When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Thank you for downloading the latest episode of Positively Trek. We could not do this podcast without the support of our Patreon supporters, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, and Jim Stoffel. If you'd like to support the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, and more. Thank you so much for your support. And with that, let's get on with the show. Hey, Star Trek fans, just a quick reminder before we get this episode started, we are still running our giveaway of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery on Blu-ray. All you have to do is leave us a review on iTunes, preferably five stars. We will be reading your review on the show, and if you do that, you will be entered in a draw for a chance at three copies. We have three copies to give away of Star Trek Discovery Season 3 on Blu-ray. Now, we want you to send us those reviews before August 8th in order to qualify for this giveaway. So we're really excited about this. Hope you'll send us a review and get your name in the running for that. And you get a hat. Ooh, that's right. You get a hat. It's a discovery hat. Like I said, August 8th is the deadline for those reviews, so please get that into us as soon as you're able. And with that, let's get on with the show. Yes, we are into August, which is really cool because that means back to school, <laughs> but it really just means we get a new season of Star Trek Lower Decks coming in just a couple of weeks. Oh man, I am so excited for this. Those recent trailers have just totally reignited. Not that it needed reigniting, but it's totally just like amped my excitement for season two. Honestly, I can't imagine that we're that close already because it just feels to me like we really just finished season one not that long ago. Maybe it feels that way to me because I've been watching the Blu-rays, but it, mm. I can't believe we're already at season two. Yeah, no, it's true. I'm so happy uh, that we've got it coming soon. And yeah, in some ways, it feels like it was just a few days ago or a few weeks ago that season one ended. But in other ways, it feels like it's been forever. It's kind of this weird kind of time that we're in right now that it can feel both ways to me sometimes. I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, welcome everyone to Positively Trek because we are going to talk a little bit about Lower Decks. We got a little bit of news for that. And I'm Bruce Gibson with Dan Gunther. And Dan, you look chipper today. You look happy. You look refreshed. I mean, this is your day, I can tell. Yeah, I, I've taken the day off. I'm not doing any work today. And it's awesome. I really like it. I've been working like crazy lately. 
Uh, I've been on the road a lot, but I'm so glad that I'm able to be home today to record Positively Trek with you. How does it feel to be on the road? Because you've been at home most of the time this past year. Yeah, it's definitely a change to, you know, have a job, first of all. And uh, second of all, yeah, be on the road so much. It's definitely interesting, especially like you say, having been stuck at home and all that sort of stuff. So uh, it's weird. It's it's definitely different, but I really appreciate it. And I really like being out there. And I think I've turned about 10 shades darker in the sun over the past few weeks. That's what it is. Cause I was like, yeah, you look great. I, I think you've, yeah, you've got some sun on you. That's what it is. Oh, you yeah. got some color. You know, <laughs> unlike me, I blend into my white wall in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the sun in forever. <laughs> I do need to get out into the sun. I need a little bit of sun, just, you know, those UV rays. I just need a little bit of that. Yeah, so. definitely. I'm going to do that after we record the show and get some scones because I have to go out and buy some scones for a tea party at my house. I'm not having it. It's my daughter's tea party with my wife and my mother and all that fun stuff. But anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Star Trek. And again, I mentioned we're going to talk about Lower Decks briefly. We have something we want to talk about, Captain Proton from Voyager. We want to talk about Star Trek Las Vegas, but that's not really what it's called. 55-year mission. We'll get to that. And then here's the big discussion, everyone. We're going to talk about the doctors of Star Trek, our favorite medical officers. And we're going to cover as many as we can possibly get to because there is a lot. You'd be surprised. There's more than what you probably think. That being said, let's go into some news here. We've got Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2 is confirmed, not just for its release on August 12th on Paramount Plus and CTV Sci-Fi, but also on Amazon Prime internationally the next day, on the 13th. But that's not bad, because those of you international people that had to wait for this till January of last year, months after it was on Paramount+, Plus, now you're going to just have to wait a day later. So now we can all talk about it a day later. Yeah, this is great news. And, uh, you know, for those international fans who had to wait that long period of time for the for season one, this is excellent. So, yeah, it's going to show up one day later, like you said, in the UK, Europe, Australia, New Zealand, Japan, India, and the other territories where they also streamed season one of the series on Amazon Prime there. So, uh, that's excellent, and I'm really happy for those fans. I saw, if you want a laugh, uh, check out uh, Tawny Newsom's tweet about this. I won't say what she said because she uses some language that Apple Podcasts doesn't like us to use, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun, and I'm really happy that they're not going to get harassed because of you know something that was completely out of their control which was the late release of season one for international audiences i know and this is so great because now we can talk about those episodes as they come out and we don't have to have people say oh i can't listen to that yet because i haven't seen the episode i don't know when i'm gonna see it you yeah know? that was so bad last year yeah, that was disappointing, and, and that was tough to have to say to some of our audience members that, yeah, just don't listen to these or, or wait. You know, that's that's not an ideal situation. We like to have a wide-ranging discussion with all of our fans and, and listeners and stuff. So this is really, really welcome news. Well, that period of time, I was saying, it, it feels like we just ended season one. For those who watched on Amazon Prime, that window is shorter. So yeah. So it wasn't that absolutely. long ago that they finished watching it. 
<laughs> so really, they're getting a bonus because technically, in the grand scheme of things, relatively speaking, they're getting season two of Lower Decks sooner than we are. <laughs> they're getting two seasons of Lower Decks in the same year. Wow, that's amazing. Wow, I'm so jealous. No, <laughs> no, I'll take what we have right now. <laughs> The sooner the better. So yeah, we're all on board. Within 24 hours, we'll all have a new episode of Lower Decks Season 2 to watch together. And I assume that's how it will play out for the future seasons too. Yeah, I think so too. That Season 1 was definitely a, a special case because as you may or may not remember... Uh, Discovery Season 3 and Lower Deck Season 1 were switched in the schedule. Discovery was initially supposed to come first, but they had to move Lower Decks up before all of those international agreements had been uh, worked out. So that's that's why there was that big hullabaloo. Oh, that's good. That We've passed that. That's great. But now we still don't know Star Trek Prodigy. We still don't have a date. We don't know where it's going to be distributed internationally. We don't know all that yet, you know? Yeah, really looking forward to finding that out for sure, uh, because that's supposed to be this year, right? Strange New Worlds as well is one that we don't know the international distribution about. There's a little bit more time on that one, though, because that's coming next year. So so I'm going to guess, this is just my guess on Prodigy's distribution internationally. I'm going to say Amazon Prime. Yeah, that seems to be where a lot of these are going. But, you know, who knows, right? It might be a, a totally separate thing that they've negotiated, maybe Netflix, maybe something else, uh, especially with the whole Nickelodeon thing being in there as well. You know, who knows what effect that might have. That's a good point, too, because Nickelodeon does have its network duplicated in different countries around the world. So that could impact Prodigy. But speaking of Prodigy, last night I showed my oldest daughter, who's 19, the trailer to Star Trek Prodigy and to the Lower Deck Season 2. Now, she doesn't watch Star Trek. She'll watch Discovery occasionally with me if I'm watching it, but she's not into Star Trek at all. But she kind of likes it. Again, she just doesn't watch it unless she walks in the room and I'm watching it. However, when I showed her the trailers, first of all, she laughed at the Lower Decks trailer. She thought it was funny. And then I showed her the Prodigy trailer. And when it ended, it showed the the blimp that says Nickelodeon mm, on it. Yeah. And she's like, oh, this is a, this is a Nickelodeon show? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I can tell. Kids are going to love this. You guys are going to bring in a lot of young people with this show. I can tell. And I was like, that's the plan. <laughs> that's cool. Somewhere, somehow, uh, Alex Kurtzman and the rest of the brass over at Paramount Plus and stuff, they just heard a ching in the background. But they don't know why, but they just heard it. And they're like, that was weird. We got to get them while they're young, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we got to <laughs> get them even younger. We need to have a series called Star Trek Babies, you know, like Muppet Babies. And we have like little Picard in diapers with Riker and Troy and they're in the little nursery. <laughs> <laughs> Just tugging on his onesie to straighten it. And, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's it. <laughs> uh, Riker swinging his leg over the high chair somehow and people are like, how did you do that? <laughs> and Worf always having temper tantrums. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. How did you get another blade? <laughs> and then Data is just Data, grown Data, because he was never a baby. I was thinking about that, too, and I was like, would the joke be that he's a baby somehow and it's just never explained, or that he's just like full-grown Data? <laughs> <laughs> and Picard's always run into Data going, help me, help me. Crusher's always 
I mean, I guess he wouldn't call her Crusher. Beverly's trying to play doctor with me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that's one TNG you would not have Wesley in. <laughs> mm, that's <laughs> he true. He wouldn't have been born yeah. yet. <laughs> oh, well. But you know what? Robert Duncan McNeil has been out there pitching Captain Proton as a series in the Star Trek universe. Now, this is interesting because this could be a lot of fun, but I don't know how much I really want this. But to get the whole gang together to do something fun sounds really interesting. I think it would be a lot of fun, you know, as, as like a limited series or mini series or something like that. I think it could be pretty cool. You know, it's kind of funny. This is turning into the summer of Robert Duncan McNeil because of the surprise <laughs> appearance of him as the commemorative Tom Paris plate in Lower Decks trailer. And then there was that interview where he said he was talking about being in season one and two of Picard at one point. And uh, then, yeah, this Captain Proton thing that we find out he's pitched this to Alex Kurtzman and the folks over at Paramount Plus. So interesting. I don't I don't see I, I could be wrong. I don't see much of a po- of a possibility of this, but maybe I think it would be fun personally. I think it would be fun too. I I don't think I'd want like a full season of episodes, but maybe maybe I'd be wrong. Maybe I would love that because I'm not that into Captain Proton. I haven't even read the Captain Proton novel, but one day I will. I guarantee you, I will. Uh, but yeah, he was on Primitive Culture podcast at Trek FM, and I it's so funny because I'm. I'm in the middle of listening to that when this news came out. I haven't even got to this part in the interview. But uh, hearing that this came out where he mentions Captain Proton, I can see maybe doing like a short treks, you Mm -hmm. know, Captain Proton. Even if it doesn't bring the full cast, I can see them bringing back him and Garrett Wong, you know, at least those two, you know, and just maybe a couple others if they could. But then there's also talk, he said, possibly even doing a podcast because... Viacom CBS is big into doing podcasts right now and have partnered with iHeartMedia to do these. So I, that even sounds fun to me. I would love a, like an audio drama. It sounds old school because I love listening to old school audio dramas like radio plays. Yeah. And, and it would fit perfectly with the old radio serials, right? Like like the old Flash Gordon stuff. That's perfect. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, like the audio sounds a little scratchy, you know, and sounds old and stuff. That would be cool. And you need that, like, old-timey kind of narrator and stuff. When we last met our heroes, they were facing off against the evil Dr. Chaotica. (laughs) I think we found him right there. You're going to be the narrator. (laughs) I've always wanted to do, like, our own radio play, audio drama. We should pull up. Probably plan to do something like that. It'd be a little short thing, you know. Nothing That'd be too cool. Long. Yeah, that'd be fun. <laughs> but I would love to see Star Trek do audio dramas, just like how Doctor Who does those all the time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love those. Oh my gosh, that would be excellent. I mean, think about it, because you could do a Voyager audio drama, not Captain Proton necessarily, but like Voyager or Deep Space Nine, and just bring some of those actors back. They can record from their own homes. Oh, for sure. Know? Yeah, Alex. Can you hear me? We've got to do this. (laughs) Anyway, maybe if anybody's going to STLV, you might see Alex there. I don't know if he's going to Las Vegas. And again, it's not really officially STLV anymore. It's 55-year mission. We've got some new guidelines, Dan. You posted these. I was reading this this morning. This isn't all that surprising to me (laughs) about Mm -hmm. the vaccinations, wearing masks and not wearing masks and all that. Do you want to give us a highlight of that? 
Yeah, for sure. So first of all, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read these out and give you my thoughts here. So the new guidelines say for those who are fully vaccinated, and again, this is for STLV or 55-year mission in Las Vegas, for those who are fully vaccinated, you must bring proof of vaccination to receive a special colored wristband, which will allow you entry for the entire convention. For those who are not vaccinated or who are partially vaccinated, they require a negative COVID-19 test result, which should be taken within 72 hours or three days of attending the convention. For those attending Tuesday to Thursday with a negative test, you will receive a special colored wristband that will give you access through Thursday. On Friday, they will retest those with the wristbands who will be attending Friday or through Sunday. We will have tests available at that time on a first-come, first-served basis. Per the mandate set by the state of Nevada and the city of Las Vegas, effective July 30th, 2021, mask wearing is mandatory indoors for all attendees, regardless of vaccination status. Sanitizer stations will be placed throughout the convention for public use. There's also saying if you are feeling ill, please do not attend. And also should city, state or federal COVID mandates at the time of the convention require additional restrictions, they will be following those protocols. So I've got to say with these, like, I think this is really good news. I th I feel like if I were going to be attending uh, the convention in Vegas, I would feel much better about attending now that they've posted these rules and that they will be following these strictly. So just as a bit of background, I'm from Alberta, Canada, and recently Calgary, Alberta had the Calgary Stampede go ahead. And they had a bunch of regulations put in place and that sort of thing. As of a few days ago, they said there were 71 new cases because of the Calgary Stampede, and I think it's now up to closer to 150. So this is real. Like this, these events, there will be cases come out of this. But hopefully with these regulations, it can mitigate that a little bit. It's a bit disappointing. I'm not going, so it, it doesn't really matter for me personally. But it's it's sad because I'm just thinking a couple months ago, I was thinking, and I think a lot of us were thinking that, okay, we, we've got over the hump, right? We're, we're slowly going back to normal. And I envisioned this convention being fairly back to normal, but, and I've mentioned on past podcasts, I was concerned that, well, they, they may require masks or some people might wear masks and and that's good. You know, I mean, we got to take these precautions. So I'm, I'm not objecting to this at all. But at the same time, I'm kind of glad I'm not going now because I just the feeling to me of going to a convention and having to wear a mask. And I mean, it's not that I have a problem wearing a mask, but just seeing everybody in masks. Like, I, I, I just want to if I go to a convention, I want to be like a normal convention. I don't want to be where I see the the actors, you know, and you go up to get an autograph or whatever, and they got where they're wearing masks and I'm wearing a mask. I don't know. It's just, it's just not the same. And I feel that because of this attendance will be lower. So it won't even feel the same. Oh, attendance will be much lower. Absolutely. I think that was a given before these <laughs> regulations yeah. came out. So, I mean, if anybody's going, that's great. I still wish I were going, you know, but then when I see stuff like this, I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's good that I'm not going this time because I just don't feel like it's going to feel quite the same, but I no. know I'm going to, the days that these are happening, when those occur, I'm going to be like, oh, I wish I were there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, like I say, with these regulations, I, I would feel better about attending. I think I'd be more 
willing to attend, but I'm still not willing to attend at this point just because of the danger of COVID and the Delta variant and the possibility of bringing that back to my family or something like that. You know, it just, to me, it's not worth the risk, but with these added precautions, there might be more people out there who feel like it is worth the risk. Well, if it's like this in early October, I am going to a convention, but not sci-fi, not Star Trek. It's a business convention. And I am working an exhibit booth with uh, one of our celebrities. I don't know who yet. So we're going to have like a line of people coming through and I'll be staying there for six hours. And I am starting to get a little concerned, you know, because I, I don't know what it's going to be like. And there's going to be a lot of people that I'm going to be socializing with. So we'll see. I don't want to be that make this a downer. The good thing is this convention is still happening. So those who are going... I hope you have a great time. I hope it's so great that you call me and say, Bruce, you really missed out because I, I want to be jealous because that means you had a great time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And to everyone who is going to STLV, be safe, be as, be as safe as possible and enjoy yourselves, you know, try and uh, try and enjoy yourselves as much as possible. It's definitely going to be a unique convention experience and, uh, you know, maybe appreciate that for what it is too. This is definitely a unique time we're living through. And I personally don't think you're probably going to see a convention that looks like this uh, again in the future. At least we really hope so. So <laughs> talk to your doctor about it too. And if your doctor serves on the starship, well, let's talk about that, actually. Doctors on starships. See, that's my lead in to our favorite medical officers. So, Dan, just off the top of your head, if you had to pick anyone in Star Trek to be your medical doctor, do you have one that you would choose? Oh, that's a very <laughs> different question. I hadn't thought of that exactly. A doctor that I would like for myself, I think, would probably be Dr. Crusher just because she seems very professional, very diligent, very caring, a great bedside manner. Yeah, I think she'd be a wonderful personal physician. I would love to have her as my doctor. That's really interesting to me because I would not pick Crusher, but I almost feel like I, I should. And I'll tell you why. Because I was just at the doctor's the other day. I was meeting with a new doctor. As he came into the room and doing the examination, yeah, sometimes I get like a little nervous if I'm dealing with somebody new or I'm there for some new reason. I'm not sure what they're going to do or what they're going to tell me or anything. But all of a sudden in my mind, I pictured myself in sick bay on the Enterprise D with Crusher. Like hmm. that's where my mind went was to her. Yeah. So then I thought, well, maybe Crusher would be my preferred physician because that's where my mind went. Yeah, that's interesting because she's by far not my favorite doctor character. Like, not not even close. But because you asked me who I would like as my doctor, I feel like I'd get along with her the most. <laughs> but she's not my favorite doctor character, for sure. So I was going to say, if it wasn't Crusher now, but if I, I, I was going to say Bashir. I really mm -hmm. like Julian. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Julian as well, for sure. I, I just I just like his personality. He's, you know, excitement, but at the same time, he's he can be very intense, you know, and when he's researching and he's not going to give up. But, you know, honestly, all the doctors are great you know, yeah. in Star Trek. But, yeah, I kind of like Bashir. So with Bashir, I do really like him. I feel like his uh, first couple seasons 
version of him kind of drags his score down. If like we're giving them like a score or something, drags yep. it down a little bit. His kind of wet behind the ears, puppy dog love of Jadzia, kind of general creepiness just kind of drags him down just a slight bit for me. But like, like all the characters on Deep Space Nine, my favorite Star Trek television series, if I'm pressed, his character goes through such an amazing arc and is in such a different place by the end of the show that, yeah, he's incredible by the end. That's what I'm mainly thinking about is the older Bashir <laughs> towards the end of the series. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, I do have a new favorite Doctor and that's Dr. Culber on Discovery. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Culber as well, for sure. I don't know what it is about him, but, you know, I mean, that guy is buff. I mean, he looks healthy. Like, yeah. I want a doctor that looks healthy. By <laughs> the know? way, folks out there, if you have not seen Wilson Cruz's Instagram, my God, <laughs> that man is buff. And he does post a lot of shirtless pictures of himself. And, uh, yeah, he is in very good shape. <laughs> I love how he plays the character because to me, he can be very direct to you, you know, like, okay, this is your problem. But his, the way he speaks, it's like his voice is also very calming. It's like a calm, direct indication of what the problem is. Mm -hmm. It's not a, this is what it is. It's, this is what it is. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know. I just like his delivery. Yeah. I think like specifically of his scenes with the mirror Giorgio in season three of discovery yes, where, you know, she's being her typical, very difficult self and he's just cutting right through it all to talk to her and, you know, no nonsense state, state what's going on and, you know, kind of putting her in her place a little bit. I loved that. I think I thought he was incredible in those scenes. I do too. I, I'm glad you mentioned that scene because that really does stand out to me. I remember watching that scene going, yeah, see, I like this guy. I want him to be my doctor, <laughs> you know, yeah. but my brain goes to Crusher when I'm in the doctor's office. So I'm going to have to put Dr. Crusher at the top, but I will ask you this, Dan, are there any doctors that would make you a little nervous to have as a doctor. <laughs> a, a few, actually. Uh, I think number one at the top of the list is actually a character I love. I think she's a terrific character. But I think Dr. Ta'ana would scare the crap out of me to be my doctor. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love her. I think she's terrific. She's one of my favorite things about Lower Decks, which, which is really saying something because I love that series. But... Her kind of attitude sometimes, like, you know, she's not afraid to drop the F-bomb and, and really just lay into her patients a little bit, which is a good thing. Sometimes patients need that, but I'm a bit of a timid soul. I'd probably cower when she's, you know, laying into me a little bit, so... <laughs> but I love her. She's terrific. Yeah, she is. She's a little over the top for... A, I, I would not want her to treat me, really. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if she hands my heart over to some ensign. Like, yeah, no. like, <laughs> I can't deal with this. But you know what? If I was dying, yeah, sure. Come treat me. But yeah. oh, she would absolutely. not be at the top of my list. Yeah. Tiana really <laughs> would freak me out. <laughs> so are there any others that would, you said you had a few. Yeah. So Dr. McCoy, of course, the, uh, the quintessential doctor, the template, the, the one we really got, you know, at the beginning, not the very first, but the one that stuck around in the original series. I like him. I'm sh uh, he's, he's a very competent doctor. Very good. But again, just that acerbic attitude that like, I know if I wasn't exercising or eating right, he'd just, you know, lay into me and 
and get mean and and like i said i'm just a timid soul i i would crumble before him because you know uh yeah he he would he would be mad at me a lot i think (laughs) (laughs) but that would be a good thing though right yeah it would probably gotta get straight yeah yeah (laughs) yeah now i i like mccoy i i he would not be in my list of doctors that i'd be a little afraid to go see because i i do like somebody being direct with me and if it's like i'm not exercising enough even though i don't want to hear it or about my diet or whatever because my current physician does that to me now she's like how's the diet i'm like diet what diet (laughs) Uh, and she's like i feel like i'm in trouble when i go in there but i'm like that's good because right now i am on a diet so if she were listening right now i have lost some weight so i'm doing good you know don't and i'm exercising every day now every day as a matter of fact i exercised twice yesterday in the morning and in the evening. So I'm getting better at that. So I'm looking forward to going back to see her so I can show off now. I won't be in trouble. So when you exercise, is it that thing where you're on your back and you're pushing those blocks into the, the wall of the enterprise? Is that that's what you're doing? Absolutely. Yep. I went to the container store, bought some blocks, put them <laughs> into the wall. <laughs> now, I'm, typically I'm on the treadmill, which is great because I also use that as an excuse to watch stuff on TV like The Expanse is what I've been nice. watching every day when I'm on the treadmill. Wow. So, yeah. And I'm on there for 45 minutes to an hour at a time. So, Dr. McCoy, I'm doing fine. Okay. I'll <laughs> tell you one doctor that kind of freaks me out, and that is Phlox. I don't think I could go see Phlox. And I'll oh, tell you why. Really? Phlox is too happy and excited to see me when I walk in. That scares me because I feel like he's up to something. I'd walk <laughs> in, he'd be like, hello, Bruce, come on in, have a seat. I'd be like, wait, where do you, wait, what are you about to do to me? Because you seem too excited. And then I'd be looking around the room at all those animals and I'd be like, I don't know what he's going to pull on me. I just want some medicine or some like whatever. Give me something to take care of this, but don't like go into some container and pull out a snake and say, oh, I'm going to shove this down your throat. <laughs> I'd be freaking out in there. I got to say, I love flocks. Uh, again, like you, I don't know that I'd want him as my doctor necessarily, but I love this character. He was one of the absolute highlights of Enterprise for me. Uh, his gregariousness, his big, huge smile, his optimism and all of that. I love Flocks. I think he's terrific. I think I could stand to have him as my doctor, honestly. Like, I, I think he'd be a good physician. But yeah, the the menagerie of creatures kind of does freak me out a little bit as well. <laughs> yes. I mean, I do trust him, but yeah, he would freak me out. Another one that would freak me out. Now, for those of you who don't read the novels, I'm bringing them in, okay? Dr. Ree mm-hmm. on the Titan, because he's <laughs> basically a dinosaur. <laughs> and not that I have a problem with that, but with those sharp nails on his hands and the fact that he has done things like bite Troy, like, I'm already freaked out about that. <laughs> nah. I don't want to go see him. So for those of you who have not read the Star Trek Titan novels, when Bruce says Dr. Ree is a dinosaur, that does not mean that he's stuck in his ways and he's outmoded and old fashioned. No, he's a velociraptor. He's basically a velociraptor. And uh, yeah, no, that would be a little off putting. You know, I'm, I try not to be prejudiced. I try not to, you know, be bigoted or anything, but you know, a velociraptor thumping into sick bay and then, you know, treating me. That would that would be a little off putting. It'd be a little scary. <laughs> it is. And a lot of the 
crew on Titan is scared of him. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, but hey, he's a good doctor. But if you're pregnant, watch out. That's all I'm mm-hmm. going to say. Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention, is there any others, by the way, that you're afraid of? I think early seasons Voyager's doctor <laughs> would be a little bit, yeah. you know, his just kind of acerbic attitude and snarkiness and, and that sort of thing would be a little uh, off-putting. He gets a little better later later on where he kind of replaces the snarkiness with a huge ego. So I don't know if that's much better, but, you know, it's, it's better, a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, early on, he'd be another one that I'd be like geez, this guy's just kind of (laughs) rude. That's a good point. Yeah, I agree with you. His bedside manner is not very good, especially in those early seasons that, yeah, I would not want to go see him because he would just probably just piss me off. (laughs) 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 Like, he's a little too direct, maybe, you know? He doesn't, Mm. he's not like Culber. He knows how to say it. I'm surprised that we haven't mentioned Pulaski. From the Enterprise, because mm-hmm. I was going to mention there's a whole bunch of medical officers we've had on the different Enterprises, and Pulaski is one of them, and there's not a lot of love for Pulaski in fandom, but maybe there's more love for her than we think, but there's a lot of people that don't care for her, and I think she would make a great doctor. I agree. I actually really like the character of Pulaski. I initially didn't when I first watched those season two episodes back in the day, but since then, rewatching them later on in my life as an adult, I really appreciate what they were trying to do with the character. And it's kind of sad that she didn't get more seasons to kind of explore that because I think her character arc and her growth would have been really interesting in the next generation. I was thinking of this last night when you were talking about this topic and they they tried to mirror her with McCoy a little bit and give her like that relationship with data that McCoy had with Spock I feel like it didn't really work that well because Data is so naive and so innocent that it felt like somebody just kicking someone and them not. Spock always had those clever rejoinders and Data never really did have that. But I feel like over the course of season two, we see those two characters become closer and Pulaski really starts to respect Data for his intellect and, and his quest to become human. And I would have loved to have seen that play out over more seasons. I think by the end of the next generation, we would be talking about Pulaski and Data as a pairing like we do Bashir and O'Brien or something like that. Like, I really feel like that's what they would have worked towards. And that could have been really interesting. That would have been beautiful. It, it, it's it's a great concept in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I know they were probably sitting there saying, let's... Let's do a McCoy character and let's mm-hmm. have that McCoy Spock thing, but with Pulaski and Data. And we don't need to recreate something we've already had. So I kind of resent that. But at the same time, I do appreciate the idea that here's a doctor that has a problem with this officer who's a machine because the doctor treats living beings on the ship and this is not a living being and this is a machine. So she has not been trained to take care of a machine. That's an engineering. And so for her, this is just a machine. This is in some ways a toaster to her. But Mm -hmm. then over time, like you said, she starts to learn that. And we've talked about this in different novels and different episodes and stuff about there's a soul to him. He's Mm -hmm. more than just being a machine. 
and it would be great to see that progression continue on throughout different seasons between this character of a doctor with a machine to find out that the machine is living, even yeah. though in the science aspects of her world, he's not a living being. Yeah, absolutely. It could have been a really fun, interesting exploration for sure. But uh, yeah, alas, it was not to be. And they did bring Crusher back, who I'm I'm really sad about Crusher, actually, because th did you find they just didn't really know what to do with her? Like, she's just kind of there for six of the seven seasons for the most part, right? That's kind of how I feel, too, which is weird why we put her at the top of our list of preferred doctors for ourselves. I really wish they would have done more with her. And I'm sure Gates McFadden would say the same thing. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just don't give her a candle and a ghost. Give her something no. more to do. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we have the new novel, Shadows Have Offended. We get a lot of Crusher in that. So if anybody's a Crusher fan, go read that book. It's you'll, you'll enjoy that. But, yeah, you know, with the Enterprise, typically you think of Crusher and McCoy. But long before that, originally on the USS Enterprise, we had Sarah April which we learned from the animated series that she was the first medical officer on the ship. We don't know that much about her. So I, I can't give you too much opinions on what I think of her as a doctor, but then it's followed with Boyce and Piper before we get to McCoy. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting that Boyce, Piper, and McCoy are essentially the same type of characters. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Pretty close, anyway. They were definitely going for an archetype there. Yeah, which we saw later in the recent novel we read for the last year's Well of Souls. That doctor on there, Joe Stern, of the Enterprise C, is similar personality to those and was even friends with McCoy. One we haven't talked about that I feel like I would have loved to have seen more of as a doctor is Christine Chapel because I actually yes. really liked her in Star Trek, the motion picture where she first becomes an MD and you know, she's not a ton of scenes, but she's so professional and such a great doctor in that. And especially how she's relating to Ilea when she returns as the probe and all of that. I loved those scenes and then I was really sad we didn't see her very much in the remaining movies. I think she's got a brief cameo in Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, at Starfleet Command, but that's really it. Yeah, it is sad. I would have loved to have seen more of her. Majel Barrett actually knew the guy who created Star Trek. She married him. <laughs> like, come on. Yep. Like, you have some pool there, don't you? But, I mean, again, screen time to fit all the different characters in. I mean, that's the problem. But, mm -hmm. yeah, I liked seeing her in the motion picture. I would have liked to have seen more of her, like maybe just one more scene in one of the other movies where she had something significant to do. And then there's Mabenga, who was a, uh, well, wasn't the chief medical officer, but was the doctor on the Enterprise that specialized with Vulcans. So I always liked his character, too. Mm -hmm. I always like that when they show the medical staff outside the chief medical officer, because these starships obviously do have to have more than one medical doctor aboard. So that was nice to see another doctor, another full doctor aboard, bringing him in because he specializes in Vulcans. You know, that's good. McCoy probably could have used him a bunch of times when he starts complaining about Spock's physiology and stuff. But uh, they also did that in The Next Generation. I loved the character of Dr. Salar, and we only saw her in one episode. We get kind of references to her over the intercom and stuff a few times, but I would have loved to have seen Dr. Salar in more episodes, especially since she was played by Susie Plaxon, who is terrific. Yes, and thankfully, 
she does become the chief medical officer of the Excalibur in the New Frontier novels. Yes. So we do get a lot of her there. So I really enjoyed that. Absolutely, yeah. And the one shout out I'll do, and I don't know that much about the character since we were talking about Enterprise officers, we have Dr. Saville, who's a Vulcan on the Enterprise F, if you do Star Trek Online or read those short stories in the magazine. We had that character there, but I don't know much about him. Yeah, and I haven't played uh, Star Trek Online in a number of years, so I, I don't know anything about him at all. Well, what do you think of the emergency medical hologram on the La Serena? <laughs> I'm glad you brought him up because uh, that was fun. The whole idea of all of the holograms being played by the guy who plays Captain Rios, of course, right? Santiago Cabrera. That was a fun concept. I love that he had different uh, personalities for all of the holograms. And yeah, the EMH there, you know, pretty uh, flat personality compared to a lot of the other ones, but still a lot of fun. I, I think I thought that was a fun idea for sure. Yeah, I liked them. Again, it's just the fun idea of the different holograms with different personalities, all based on Rios. Is a lot of fun. Well, I, I don't know how I'd feel about him as a doctor, necessarily. Maybe learn more about him as time goes on, but he might be pretty adequate, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he seemed to, you know, take direction from the captain pretty well, even when the captain didn't want medical treatment and stuff. So, I, I don't know. His English accent was pretty good, too. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, are there any other things you want to mention with doctors? I mean, we covered a lot of them. I don't even know if there's any left. I mean, there's some in the novels and stuff, but those are the primary, the big ones. I don't, I don't think so. I think these were the, these were the big ones for sure. Favorite characters I have to go with, I think, Ta'ana and Phlox are two of my favorite doctor characters. I don't know. Maybe I just like the non-human doctors the most or something because those two really stand out for me. Yeah, I, I think my favorite character, I don't know, I'm thinking of the EMH on Voyager. I've always enjoyed that character a lot. And McCoy, I just always enjoyed McCoy and his relationship with Spock and Kirk. So those are the two that really stand out to me. Yeah. And it's funny, actually, McCoy, I think, is my favorite original series character. So he's obviously pretty high on my list, too, I guess. So do you have any doctor's appointments that you need to schedule, Dan? I mean, have you been getting your yearly physical? Have you been going to the dentist? I'm I'm pretty bad about doctor appointments and stuff, especially in the last year and a half. Uh, yeah, it's not been great. So I should probably schedule a physical. If, if I was a member of Starfleet on the ship, the chief medical officer would definitely be giving a report to the captain that I haven't been uh, getting my physicals. So, yeah. Well, I want to let everybody know that at least of now, I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing well. And the reason I say that is because I said about going to see a new doctor. Well, my physician, because of my age and some of the family history, she said, well, you know, she'd probably go visit this cardiologist and just, you know, make sure that he thinks everything's fine and maybe do a stress test just to make sure everything's going well and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK. Well, I complained on Twitter of all the paperwork they made me do. And I've had so many people like reaching out to me, you know, oh, I hope you're okay. I hope, you know, you're getting better. I'll pray for you. And I'm just like, it's just, it's just a precaution of like, hey, let's just make sure everything's going well. But I feel great. So I just want everybody to know, thank you for your concerns. But so far I'm doing well. When I go for the stress test in a couple of weeks, 
I'll know differently. Well, hopefully uh, in a few weeks you can you can sing that little song, Gonna Snap My Fingers and Jump for Joy, Got a Clean Bill of Health from Dr. McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, when you're not singing, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. You can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. As I've said, it's been a little quiet over there because I've been on the road so much. But of course, once Lower Deck starts, I will be making videos, breaking down those episodes and the Easter eggs and all that sort of stuff. Really looking forward to that. Uh, you can also find me on my favorite hangout on Facebook, which is the Positively Trek discussion group. And you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And you can find me occasionally on the Star Wars Report podcast and on Literary Treks occasionally. And also uh, our next episode is a book club episode coming out Friday. It's Deny Thy Father, one of the Lost Era novels, which involves a young William Riker as a cadet. So you might want to listen to that and read the book and check it out. And also, we want to thank our patrons on Patreon for supporting the show. We really appreciate it because that money helps pay all the fees and things we need to do to get this episode out every week to you. So if you want to contribute to Patreon, just go to patreon.com and search for Positively Track, and you can contribute there and get some episodes early and some original stuff we'll throw in there every once in a while. So... And don't forget about our contest to win Discovery Season 3 Blu-ray sets with hat. Give us that review on Apple Podcasts. So thanks, everyone, for joining us. And by the way, U.S. only. Sorry. But thanks, everyone, for joining us. And till next time, stay positive. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.